0: Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com.
1: Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters.
2: Domino's Pizza, can you hold me?
1: Ah, uh, John, 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 John. Oops, had my jobs mixed up. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's, that, how's that day job going for you? Fine,
2: just fine. Yes, quite
1: fine. Yes, fine, fine, fine. Who mm-hmm. else do they have with us? Our, our dear friend. And a uh, master mead maker, and also also a great brewer, uh, Michael Fairbrother from uh, Moonlight Meadery out in New Hampshire. Hey, Michael. Hey, John. Welcome. Jamil. How are you guys? Excellent. Right. Uh, Michael and I have been doing a collaboration brew uh, at Heretic. So we, we did one before. We did our honey IPA, which was Evil Bee, which was pretty darn fantastic
2: yeah that one and
1: right and we actually brewed it again this year and it went just as fast or faster than last time and uh so and then michael's gonna be out here again for you're doing a mead class at uh uc Davis, UC uh, davis this weekend right right so uh, we were like, all right, if they keep inviting them out, hey, we'll keep doing uh, collaborations on uh, mead collaborations. So we're doing a a braggot. It's uh, we're, we're we're not sure where it's going to end up, but we believe we're gonna we're gonna be in the sixteen to twenty percent range ABV uh, Belgian Golden Strong with uh, uh, orange blossom honey and blood oranges. That's our that's our sh- what we plan. We'll see what happens. We're having a little trouble with the blood oranges right now. Now,
2: wait, what's the typical range for Belgian Golden Strong?
1: Uh, you know, it's, it hangs down more around the uh, 10% range. Okay. So,
2: And are you adding the entire blood orange or just the juice or just the zest
1: or what? Uh, we're getting a, a, a puree, blood orange puree. Puree. Mm-hmm. I like the mm-hmm. word puree. I don't know. Pretty
3: knows. extensive boil today. It was plus three hours,
1: I believe. Right, right. We had to knock thirty percent off the volume in order to get the uh, starting gravity up, and then we're <laughs> okay. gonna we're gonna dose the honey uh, along the way and uh, use that to, to pump up to uh, to our target. Wow! But uh, since he was here, you know, like I said, Michael is uh, he's uh, a master mead maker. And I thought, hey, let's get him on the show. You know, we can, we can tackle some of those uh, uh, questions our, our listeners have had about uh, things like opening a meadery and, and various mead questions as well. And uh, I thought, you know, Michael's so innovative. He, yeah. He's uh, all about quality. Uh, yeah. Has some of the best products in the world. And it reminded me of somebody else who who's that <laughs> <laughs> Wow. i saw that just go I thought you get it this time our good friend john blickman at blickman oh, engineering yes right uh well, he's going, innovative really. he's he's uh you know passionate about what he does he he makes uh you know some of the world's best products um you know uh our good friend John Blickman of Blickman Engineering, been sponsoring this show for the last ten years, so uh, you don't have to pay for it. And uh, I think you should all, you know, browse on over to uh, BlickmanEngineering dot com. Check it out. If you want to send uh, John a a uh, an email telling him how much you appreciate him supporting the show, uh, just send an email to feedback at uh, BlickmanEngineering dot com and. Uh, I'm sure that will find its way over to him. Uh, he really likes hearing from, from uh, listeners and, and knowing that uh, the checks he's writing are are actually of some use to all of you folks. So uh, please uh, let them know how much you appreciate it. And uh, check out their great products. Ask your local homebrew shop to carry them. Uh, good stuff out there. Uh, innovating your brew day. In engineering. All right. So today we thought since we had Michael in-house... In, in we were thinking, you know, one of the, the the shows that was extremely popular was our Going Pro series, That's and true. you know, uh, it's great, but a lot of people are not necessarily interested in opening a brewery. They want to open a meadery or a cidery. That's the kind of thing that interests them. You know, there's a lot of people with that passion. We thought, you know, but John and I, we we got no experience at that, That's so. True. It's up to you, Michael, to really talk to those listeners <laughs> and you know, explain what it takes, where the, where the uh, uh, you know, gotchas are, what to expect, how to go about it. I mean, how did you get started? What was your impetus to get started, and, and, and what did it take to, to, before you had your first commercial batch of mead to sell? So
3: for decades, I thought I was always going to open a brewery. And um, at my club's holiday party, this is Brew for Die, I realized that when I pulled out a bottle of beer, it was my buddies hanging around. When I pulled out a bottle of mead, every woman in the room was knocking somebody over. So I said to myself, it's going to be really hard to start a brewery and do something better than like Jameel or any of these other really incredible brewers that are out there. And I said, there's nobody making really great mead. Why don't I take this route so i went for the easiest route possible which is i didn't want to follow in anybody else's footsteps i wanted to do my own thing Mm -hmm. and in in that course of trying to figure this out i said there's no diversity in the mead portfolio there's no category there's no you know like just spectrum Mm -hmm. so that means it's wide open right and we've now made over i think yeah
1: Two kinds of mead you could find anywhere, like a sweet and a not-so-sweet. Yeah, that was sparkling it, sparkling and
2: still.
3: Yeah, we've got over 80 now that we've wow. commercially made in the last five years. So, And it took me close to three years to get off my butt to actually do something about mm-hmm. this and get the company running. But I did a lot of research. I studied, you know, what were the price points, mm-hmm. what were the other commercial meaderies at the time doing, and where could I make a difference? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a meadery in New Hampshire that was going out of business, and um, they had interesting product, but it wasn't what I'd call good mead. It was not comparable to the meads that I had tasted at the, the Mazer Cup International or any of the other AHA events mm-hmm. that I'd been to. So I said, okay, there is, there's definitely a market share. And if you look at, like, craft brewers, craft brewers really target men. They're mm-hmm. dominant audience that they target their products for towards men. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, nobody's targeting women, so that's a, a clear segment of the demographic that you want to look at. So I was able to work on a business plan, mm-hmm. and the business plan, you know, when I calculated at a 750 milliliter bottle, standard wine size bottle, I said, "I'm going to go broke. There's no opportunity to, to actually make money right. if I got to sell, you know because honey costs 350 percent more than malt, mm-hmm. um, you know on average, mm-hmm. if not more. So how can I make this profitable? So like I said smaller bottle size, 375-milliliter bottle. Right. It'll be attractive to women. It'll be price point under $20 a bottle because, you know, if you're targeting guys and you're saying $20 a beer bottle, good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you're targeting women under $20, I mean, guys, think how many ladies, you know, have shoes for every every bloody occasion you can think of. So, you know, I mean, I've got a pair of sneakers, and a pair of boots, and a mm-hmm. pair of shoes, mm-hmm. three, and it's lasted yep. me for 20 years. There you go. Same yeah. way. Oh, I got some flip-flops, too. <coughs> true, true. forgot my flip-flops. Yeah. So, um, you yeah, know, I, I, I worked this through in my head, worked through the plan, and it made sense. Mm-hmm. And I opened commercial production May of, of 2010. But before I started commercial production, I had to figure out how to go about getting my license mm-hmm. and getting all this other stuff I was going to need. And I have never done this and I was a little intimidated. Didn't have a lot of resources, so I basically said, "Look, I'm smart enough to figure out how to do things. I'll just do this my own." Mm-hmm. And you know, I got the the paperwork from the TTB. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the ta- uh, what used to be the F, no, not FBI. ATF, ATF. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Ta- Tax and Trade Bureau. Yeah,
3: they yeah. basically the guys going to take all your money from you for the rest of your lives as mm-hmm. you start a brewery or winery or a meadery. And read through the form, and they got complex questions. Mm-hmm. Like, they ask, how are you going to secure the facility? And I'm, I'm looking at this, and I, I said, lock and key. Locks, doors. <laughs> yeah. And then they ask you how you're going to inspect how much chemicals you use every year. And I'm like, visually. Well, it took us less than three months to get our federally approved um, mm-hmm. space. Now, during that process, you're going to need to define how you're going to bond your warehouse. And bond is a, a name for uh, taxes. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to ensure that you're going to, they're going to collect their tax from you? Mm-hmm. So you can either um, work with an insurance company to get a bond, or you can actually bond yourself and give them a $1,000, which is actually your money. It's just an escrow, and eventually someday you'll get it back. Now, being young and stupid, I was not as young, well, younger than I am today. I said, let me give them 1000 bucks." How much stupider are you today? <laughs> <laughs> or smarter. <laughs> yeah, it depends on how much of that uh, evil twin I'm drinking. Um, so I, I gave them a $1,000, bonded my warehouse, and mm-hmm. they said, okay, where are you going to keep your stored product? And I'm looking at my my warehouse back yeah, then was my the garage. Warehouse. And I roped off a four feet by 40 inches section of my garage, basically the size of one pallet. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, <laughs> you need to designate how this is going to be secured and locked. So I put down a piece of tape on the floor. Mm-hmm. And when the, the state liquor control agency uh, gentleman came in to inspect he said, "Well, you, the law says you have to have the only key to the space." I said, "I do," <laughs> and I have okay. the only key to the door to get into the space right. where the bondo winery is. I'm so, the only person. Yes, so it's 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 just never be intimidated by the questions. Think mm-hmm. of how you can answer them the cleanest and clearest way possible, mm-hmm. while still being truthful.
1: All right. And so we did all that, and That's then we, good advice for you know any kind of application you're you're looking at. I think,
3: yeah, because nobody wants or... to have all the complexities, of lawyers and the legalese mm-hmm. that they put in front of them. And and so literally, this was December seventeenth that I got the green light from the state of New Hampshire mm-hmm. to, uh, or at least my town, to, to start my winery in my garage. And it took us till May twentieth to get my state and federal um, licenses. And we started production. Mm-hmm. And within three months, the first batch was ready for sale. And everybody's asking me, well, how much are you going to price that bottle for? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had some reporters in because it's always a good idea to think about how you're going to advertise that you're in business. Right. And so we were networking with the local town paper. And the, the reporter called me and she said, well, I'd like to buy a bottle. How much is it going to be? And I'm just. Off the back of a napkin, I said sixteen dollars a bottle, and she goes, "Okay, perfect. I'll take four bottles." <laughs> <laughs> and That was my first sale. And the next cleaned day, out your stock. <laughs> no, not quite. But the next day, I got a two-case order from a store, and he sold out uh, a good amount of that product that first day. And he called me back for a second order, and essentially within a day and a half, I'd sold out of my first whole batch. <laughs> and I ended up quitting my day job the next day. Um... And what did you do? I was a chief operating officer in a software company. Mm-hmm. So I was on the glide path towards retirement, gentlemen and ladies. I, I really just <laughs> didn't need to screw up, and I would have been there by now. But um, You screwed
1: up by opening a meadery. I screwed up by <laughs> opening a brewery. We have so much in common.
3: <laughs> but I've never been happier in my entire life. And um, it takes a lot of work. I don't want to short change mm-hmm. anybody that's worked hard in this industry for 20 or more years or less and – it's amazing how much hard work there is.
2: There's nobody that's going to
3: work harder than a business owner, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. and and we've you... never we've never told anyone differently on that score either. I mean, the, whether it's uh, nano brewer, micro you know, micro uh, it's it is a lot of hard work. I think the uh,
3: the so I'm now president of the American Mead Maker Association, and the national average for meaderies in this country is to produce and sell about $100,000 worth of mead per year. That's extremely hard to make a living right. if if that's all you're doing in gross sales, take away all the expenses, you probably need to keep your day job to make that work. Mm-hmm. Now there are several of us that are doing 10, 20, 30, 40 fold more than that. And it takes being creative. You never have to you never give up if somebody puts whatever problem in front of you you find a solution to it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, from everything. Like, we were told we couldn't make our Kurtz Apple Pie Mead in the state of New Hampshire because it was over 16% alcohol and didn't have any grapes in it. So I called one of my state representatives, and I said, you know, why is this law like this?
1: Yeah, and he told you, well, because, uh, you know, such and such. uh, Or, you know, whoever owned the grapes or, you know... It's always one of those things.
3: They basically wanted me to lower the alcohol level. And so I said, well, instead of that, how about we try to get the law changed? And so I went through the process to get the law changed, and we succeeded. Mm-hmm. And then they gave the, the, the la- very last day of the, the bill signing. Another brewery snuck in and got a piece of their legislation tacked onto it, which was great for them. Mm-hmm. And then at the day the governor signed the bill, the law that was basically entitled in the name of my meadery. They gave the signed copy to the other brewery because they you know, were bigger and more clout favored.
4: So,
3: so don't take these things personally, like right. I have. But you know, take them as a opportunity to learn to market and network and build yourself. Right. And when you think about how to structure your operation, don't discount the value of your tasting room right and think of teach you want to teach your customers not only about the history of your company but the history of mead and the history of you know what you're trying to do and what's your story right. because if you get customers
1: that think of it coming to your your and place the of business of yourself as well they're they're curious as to you know how you got to this point where you're making the mead they like to know the person making the products that they're enjoying
3: and occasionally I still get to do tours and tastings and we've had a number of the Brewing Network fans come by our meadery up in New Hampshire and it's amazing to see when they look at me and talk to me about my passion and it, it's almost like every single one of them says it's your passion that really makes you successful mm-hmm. and I look at it it's no, it's the fear of failing here <laughs> you know, if I don't make this work, <laughs> boys and girls I am out of everything I ever worked my butt off for in my entire life right. and you know, so there's, there's you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to be successful, mm-hmm. and but you have to teach not just consumers how to come in and taste your product and what to expect. And we've actually had customers come in and say, oh, I don't like honey, so I don't like your mead. Well, right. you know, if you don't like the base ingredients, you're on the wrong foot to start with.
1: <laughs> let's, but, let's do this. Let's, let's take a short break, and when we come back, I particularly want to hear, you know, what it takes to start a meadery, you know— you know you talked about the licensing but you got to get some equipment and you got to you know have some idea yeah. of what scale you're going to make and 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 all that so uh hold that thought we'll be back
0: right after this since the first time the brewing network microphones turned on more beer was behind it more beer sponsors the programming on the bn because like you they love brewing and like the brewing network they love sharing their knowledge morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. Five-star treatment today. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zainashev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong.
1: All right, we're back. We're enjoying uh, a few meads. Uh, That's one one of the benefits of being here. (laughs) I get to enjoy some meads. We got uh, a red dress mead from Moonlight Meadery, and that's uh, red currants. The desire, which is black currants, black cherries, and blueberries. Blueberries. Pretty good for somebody who just read it off the bottle. (laughs) And uh, uh, Wild, which is a uh, honey, uh, Heather honey from Scotland with uh, blueberries. Right. Oh, Mm. excellent. My favorite's the red dress, though. That's the one that's got the, a bit more acidity. It's very, uh, almost Belgian sourish, but not sour. I mean, it's got a a really nice balance to it. The tartness
2: the, of the currants helps helps balance it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And the the uh, the desire, the one with the uh, the the black currants and the and the uh, black cherry, um, that one I really like because it's got this kind of jammy wine like I, I like red wines with a lot of uh, kind of jammy character to it. And this has got that uh, in spades. And it's you know it's still got a great balance to it. A little sweeter than the red dress. And then the wild is—that's unique. Got a lot of character to it. It's got some uh, spicy floral to it, and uh, very interesting. I like that one as well. But my favorite is the red dress. All right, so while I drink more, you mean tell us about <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the uh, uh, you know the startup. So you've gone through the licensing process. You, you started with the TTB and then went to your – first you, you talked to your city to, 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 to find out if they would allow you to operate a winery in your garage, correct? Yeah, so
3: you need to have a, a space before you even talk to the TTB. Mm-hmm. So to commercially lease a space for an indefinite period of time without being able to put it to use is, is pretty challenging. So I thought that I would lease my garage to myself. My building is zoned, or the place we're located is zoned agricultural, so having an agricultural business like a winery is permitted. Uh, I just had to go through the process to make that happen. And in that process, my neighborhood um, asked that we limit our production to 400 gallons a year. So when I ran my business plan, I ran it at 400 gallons a year. How could I... Make this work and still keep my mortgage and everything, mm-hmm. and I was planning on keeping my day job. So equipment, I
1: looked at. All right, w- so, so you, you, you got the city to okay, setting up the winery in the garage. You got the they. You had to, you know, apply for a variance or something. I didn't need a variance because okay. of the zoning. All right, but it still went out for. Opinion out in the community or something?
3: Yeah, my neighbor showed up at the uh, at the the meeting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd never done this before, so I thought they were going to be there to support me. And uh, when I... <laughs> they were there to
1: punch you in the peaches. Yeah.
3: yeah, I walked over to the group of six walking through the door and should have realized that a group of six people walking in through at the same time was not a good sign. But, mm-hmm. And I said, thank you for coming and really appreciate your support. And the first lady in line, she looked at me and she said, it's not personal. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, we don't want a winery in our neighborhood. Mm. And I was like, why? I mean, why on earth could right. What's the problem here? And she said, we'll get our chance to talk and we'll 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 mm-hmm. say our piece. Right. So I went back to my chair and tried not to have a nervous breakdown over this because, uh, I mean.
1: Right. This yeah. is There's like only so
3: much you can control this, what other people do. But and this was my life dream, right? The, the start, and here I got somebody trying to block me from mm-hmm. starting, and and
1: yeah, you know, it bothered me. And you, um, in, in, given hindsight, would you have chosen another location from the start? No, hell no, no. Did it was it find, the right thing to start. Absolutely, from the, the right way to go. Yeah.
3: Because as we were talking about Jamil, before, when you sign up a business or sign a lease or sign anything. Mm-hmm. They don't just stop at your company. They right. want you to personally you guarantee You personally it. guarantee
1: that lease. Yeah. So if you yeah. sign a
3: three-year lease that's going to cost you $60,000 over the course of three years mm-hmm. and your business goes flat, yes. guess what? There goes your house. Right. So I would have done it again in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And I probably would right. have done it again with a big FU
1: in the front yard right. to say, no, this is what we're <laughs> so, doing. So you, you got your you got your uh, allowance to, to do it, but they wanted a 400-gallon limit. Correct. And that still worked with your business plan, sort of, but you ended up... I was thinking that we were going to move as soon as possible uh-huh. outside of the garage. Right. And you, so once you had that, you got a business license from the city? You got...
3: Um, my city didn't require a business license. That okay. was
1: just approval to start the business okay. there. And, and so, so you applied then, you put, essentially had your space and yeah. you, you applied for the TTB. Correct. And then once you got your TTB rolling and you got that approved, then you went to your state ABC. Yes. And you got that approved, and then? Then we could start production. Okay. All right. So in in the meantime of trying
3: to do all and that. it pretty
1: much works that way every state, as far as I've heard. And there may
3: be some more city restrictions. We've heard mm-hmm. of uh, other wineries, meateries. Business licenses. Trying to that, get, yeah. like, discharge permits and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. needed. Because mm-hmm. um, there's federal regulations on what you can put down the drain. Can't be under five uh, pH and above eleven, so you need to understand how that all uh, works and how what you're going to be putting down the drain and have a plan in place for that. Um, but once we got the permits, we could start production. So that means we could actually mix product together. But for a meadery, anything you're going to make with honey has to get approved by the federal government, the TTB, for formulation. So you have to have your recipes approved. So every every. Mead you make, you need a formula approval. Yes. That is insane. And that takes about three months to do this. Right. Wow. So start early. Once you get your federal license and you haven't even gotten your state stuff, mm-hmm. start figuring out your formulas and start networking with other meaderies to understand how to get through this process. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm looking at the formula going, okay, 75% water, 25% honey for making a traditional mead that we make what's the formula on that, honey and water? And they said, okay, what's the percentages? And Mm -hmm. I said, okay, by volume, Mm -hmm. 75% water, 25% honey. But then on other recipes, they wanted it by, what was the percent sugar? Because water doesn't contribute any sugar. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to make a honey and mango mead, you know, is it 25% honey? Where is that by volume and 75% mango juice? Or is it? 75% 75% fermentables by honey mm-hmm. and 25% man- you know from the mangoes. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure all this stuff out and and then you have to once you get the formula approved go through cola approval so getting your certificate of label approved and you know what can you say on the label. Mm-hmm. So our first mead that we produced was called Desire and I wanted to put a triple berry melomel. Now a melomel is a, a fruit mead. Mm-hmm. And they don't recognize that term, so that term is oblivious to them. So that's okay. <laughs> the, the word "triple berry" implies that all the berries or all the fruits are berries, mm-hmm. and they pointed out that a cherry is not a berry. So <laughs> I couldn't call it triple berry melamel in the
1: first. Because you would really be screwing the consumer. They'd yeah. <laughs> expect three berries in there, and damn it, you slipped in a cherry. Well, I wanted a berry. I don't. I don't know about the rest of you. But I'd, I'd send a very harshly worded letter if I got slipped cherries. So when it I took, took us berry.
3: eleven tries to get that first label approved, <laughs> and they literally objected to my my language where I said the berry-like flavors, and they said you're not using berry flavorings. And I, I, I bit my tongue mm-hmm. as I'm trying to realize <laughs> that fighting with them was not the right,
4: right solution right. to getting yeah, yeah, this yeah. to
1: happen. So they're very literal. And very particular about the meaning of every last little word or punctuation.
3: But And this is where the American Meadmaker Association has really kind of helped break down some doorways. There's now a TTB FAQ for meadmakers mm-hmm. that talks right. about what you can and can't say. Right. So, like, before, you couldn't say a blueberry, blackberry, cherry, mead. You had mm-hmm. to say a blueberry, blackberry, cherry, honey, wine. Now you can use the word mead instead of honey wine. Nice. So as long as you got mead at the end of the def- mm-hmm. definition, mm-hmm. and you can then list the fruits or any adjuncts mm-hmm. that you might use in the addition to making it.
1: Because honestly, I don't think the TTB is trying to stop anybody from you know making what they want to make and getting it out there and having good sales and all that. I mean, they want to collect their taxes, but they they're very literal to the letter of the law, and that's their job. And so it's kind of like it seems. Really bizarre at times and insane at times, but it's really just somebody just trying to implement what they've been told they have to do.
3: And and just Um, like
1: when I started, you know, I was—I don't think there's any actual, you know, like animosity. You know, they're not actually aggressively trying to stop somebody.
3: When I started, there were a few meteries owners that I knew and called on pretty consistent basis. Brad from Bee Nectar. you know, was very helpful to me in understanding how to get through some of this and answer some basic questions, and that's what the American Meadmaker Association is for, mm-hmm. which is to help people that are t- contemplating this and getting through it, or attending a course like the one being offered at the Robert Mundavi Institute at UC Davis on an introduction to mead making. Now, is that for commercial brewers or commercial mead makers or home but, mead makers? Um, it's really a novice-based class now, uh-huh. so it's geared towards. Both um, those that are looking to go pro Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, complete novice homebrewers. Mm -hmm. And what's great about the course is they've got, you know, really professionals now like Ken Tram, Michael Fall, and myself uh, to be there to talk about mead and to share our history. Uh, There's a lot of um, after hours meetings that happen where people talk and share information. And, and yeah, I'm just honored to be a part of the group they get to the talk and help people get mm-hmm. to that next level. Mm-hmm. And I've probably helped over a dozen meteries this past year that have called me, asked me to come up to work for me for an internship mm-hmm. so that I can help train them on, you know, how do we do this? What are we doing? And, and just like I was talking to Chris at, today at your brewery, it's amazing what you can learn by being in somebody else's shop mm-hmm. to see what they're doing, whether right. it's the ball valves being on the hoses or, you know, you mm-hmm. know, all the, the different aspects of it. Now, but there's so much more into what do you need to start? Like, how do you plan? Uh-huh. How much capital? Right. What are you going to plan for equipment? Right. How how can you scale up? What happens when you go from five gallons to five hundred so gallons? So, w- what what volume did you start at in your garage? So the first we had seventy-two five-gallon carboys is what we started with. So <laughs> th- there was a um, uh, like a brew on premise uh, wine shop type place. That had uh, got, was going out of business, and they had a ton of carboys, mm-hmm. and so I bought seventy-two carboys, and and so that's <laughs> how we started. And um, I was buying my honey and six hundred-pound drums at the time, so I had to buy a honey. Um, it's it's a uh, drum tilt, mm-hmm. or you basically like flips a rack over that the, the yeah. drum sits on, so the
1: spigot is lower, Off, right? Yeah.
3: And the challenges with a six hundred-pound drum of honey is getting the honey out of the drum <laughs> and not breaking a leg or smashing or pulverizing yourself as you try to flip this mm-hmm. barrel on its side. Sure now, you didn't have a forklift or any of that. You know, many of you might have seen me on uh, my website or over the years on, on many of the, the brewing um, forums and such. I'm 250 pounds. I'm a big boy. And when I try to flip over a barrel of honey that's 600 pounds, I barely make a dent in it. So my friend would jump onto my back, and the two of us would get the thing onto its side. Um, and the hard part of pouring honey out of a drum is remembering that it's flowing at a slow pace, and you have to swap the bucket out because you get distracted because mm-hmm. it's taking five to ten minutes. But So you need a honey drum or a way to extract the honey out of whatever container it might be. I'd highly recommend five-gallon buckets to start with um, because you can manually lift that. Usually it's about 60 pounds a bucket. And um, we went with a um, no-sulfite method or no-heat method of making our mead. So we didn't have to buy Mm -hmm. heaters. We didn't have to buy a lot of chemicals. We'd essentially just dilute the honey with the warm water and and cool it down to about 65 degrees and pitch our yeast. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of having uh, temperature control uh, on each tank, I had an air conditioner in the room. So I was able to get started for, I'd say... About fifteen grand out of pocket, so that included you know leasing my space for myself to the to the company, getting my TTB bond, mm-hmm. uh, getting all the licensing fees paid for, uh, equipment, um, use my own personal vehicles, so you know fifteen grand was my conservative effort to, mm-hmm. to get going. That's cheap, so it's not a lot of money. Yeah, now. Would I recommend that today <laughs> no. you know, but you don't need a quarter million dollars or you know three quarters of a million dollars like I have vested now into a business, but you don't need to try to grow your business to be this multinational international conglomerate, you know big ass company.
1: How am I going to afford my private jet? yeah I mean, well, I'm,
3: yeah. I'm worried about jets at this point, but I have 14 employees and we distribute in 36 states in this country. We started exporting to Japan, China for two years now. We've been over at uh, Caliber um, distributing in Australia. And the Australians are great because they really enjoy a great product. And they actually flew me over to talk about my meads at their conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing how to market your company is going to be a really key asset to yourself. But mm-hmm. knowing how to make quality product is, is paramount. If you can't put quality in, you're never going to get quality out. And just like the ingredients of making a really good beer, the same thing applies for the meads. So it's really crucial that you know your beekeepers or know the quality of the honey that you're getting. Um, Understand chemistry so you can make a balanced product like, Jamil, you were talking about red dress Mm -hmm. and how balanced the the acidity level is. Mm -hmm. Well, that's coming with no acids added, Mm -hmm. just from the addition of the fruit and knowing how to balance that out and the ratios.
1: Now... Do you do uh, uh, acid titration on your, on your meats to no. see what your total acid is? You do all by, by just taste? Taste.
3: Mm-hmm. So my mother taught me how to cook as a child and, and taught me to think about flavors. And as, as a teenager, I wanted to become a chef. And I was like, damn it, I'm going to become this world's greatest chef and I'm going to go for this. And when I was 14, I started working in a restaurant. And I was so excited because, you know, it was an entry point in. And I started in the middle of June. In June in New Hampshire towards June and July are pretty hot and sticky. And a restaurant with the heat going, the ovens, it's ungodly hot. Mm So 230, 240 pounds in a really hot kitchen. I decided almost instantaneously that cooking was not in my career path because it was not comfortable. And I wanted to get out of it. And I thought, okay, computer science, nice and cool, air conditioning, I'm going into (laughs) computer science. (laughs) So (laughs) um, having that. Ability to think about flavors almost three dimensional Mm
4: -hmm.
3: isn't a requirement, but it really helps. Mm -hmm. You have to know if what you like is good or not. And because everybody and their brother are going to give you an opinion, Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to discern about who matters and who doesn't. And you know, I sometimes joke with my friend Gordon Strong that you know, he was very critical of some of my earlier meads. And on the last time I joked with him about this, and so I don't joke anymore. Uh, he said, "Well, you weren't that good back
1: then." <laughs> and yeah, you know, that, that's, that's Gordon. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, a you fair comment. Yeah, you know? that'll, that'll be him.
3: And um, but you know, we're great friends, and I think his opinion does count. Hmm. But as a mead maker, it didn't persuade me from stopping to try to make what I
1: was making. Right. So you have, you have to, have, to have, have that passion. Have, yeah. You have to believe that you can do it and you have to keep driving for it on the same same aspect you can't just say to yourself oh i you know no my uh, my means good and you know you know screw all of you you can't you can't say that either you know you have to you have to you know be able to take in you know criticism from others i'll tell you this is one of the reasons i really like the uh dr homebrew show is because they they will take in beers and they in needs and anything else, and they'll they'll go through them and give a kind of a, uh, uh, you know, they'll do a score sheet on them and they'll talk about them. They'll, they kind of tell you why, you know, this beer is good. Why, you know, why it would not get get a higher score. So at, at, that, along with a lot of the other shows, the Sour Hour session, uh, the, the Brewing with Style, all those shows, uh, good shows on the Brewing Network. They're all free, and uh, you know, uh, check out all those on the thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, uh, if you're listening to this, you can download those too and uh, give them a try. Lots to learn out of those shows as well. Speaking of lots to learn, uh, Steve, uh, Porno Steve, um, what is your impression of these these fine meads? Based on the mustache? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> apparently. It's based um, on a lot more than a... that. <laughs> this is actually my first time drinking mead, so. Huh. I mean, I've had wine before. It's. Interesting. Um, uh-huh. I actually like red wine quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. This is,
3: like you said, a lot more jammy. It's jammy. I it's, like it. It's sweeter. Yeah. Yeah, you know. a lot sweeter. I, I like it a lot more because I tend to like sweeter things, too, like stouts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sweet stouts. So this is actually right at my alley in terms of...
1: Right, right. Yeah, the, uh, the desire. Usually it's known the as the jammy. liquid panty dropper. <laughs> right. Um, what did you think of the uh, red dress? Little little tartar, yeah,
4: a little more acidic. Very, it's empty, so uh, maybe you like that one. Yeah,
3: I was saving the um, desire for (laughs) last. The wild's interesting too.
1: Right, it's got kind of a spicy, floral. Yeah, really floral. Yeah, had the alcohol though. Yes, they They all
3: fourteen percent about across the board. Oh yeah, I like them. And, And for the record. Hopefully, nobody officially is listening to this.
1: <laughs> <We've> nobody. <laughs> no one's we, officially we have, listening to We have
3: no real listeners. We, we, you know, it's the, just the, the three of us. The, the alcohol levels are all listed at 14% lower Lowered. now. That's because of tax ratios. If it's listed at 14.1, it's three times more taxes oh my yeah. than it's listed you can, at 14. You can waver plus or minus like a point. Two, two Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can, if it's tested at, let's say, 16 and we declare it at 14, we're still good. Yep.
1: Yeah, see, now in beer, we can waiver, you know, point 0.3. Mm. Point 0.3. Well, maybe I'm reading the laws wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> ignorance is bliss, right? Right, there you go. Speaking of bliss, there's those other shows. No, um, let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll hear more from uh, going pro as a mead or cider maker
0: right after this beer tasting games that train your palate, a brewery locator and the brand new interactive beer style guide. These are just a few of the awesome things you'll find on craftbeer.com The style guide is a beautiful example of technology and beer. Browse beer style families or turn on the automatic beer style finder and explore beer through color, bitterness ABV, aroma and flavor It's really the coolest way to explore every beer style besides having them all in front of you. Go to craftbeer.com and click on beer styles to start the guide plus enjoy the rest of craftbeer.com the brewer's banter blogs beer education how to host a beer tasting and the invaluable draft quality manual tons of great content that makes your beer better visit the new craftbeer.com right now and explore the website that brings you all the passion camaraderie and creativity of the craft beer community craftbeer.com celebrating the best of american beer A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com For strike and sparge water, ditch the fumes and second burner, and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. There are two types of people in the world, naughty and nice. Drog Tag is letting you tell it like it is with their naughty or nice labels for the holidays. Grandma getting you down? slap a naughty label on that four-year-old pale ale and put it under the tree did your uncle sal add you to his will well he deserves your freshest batch of ipa with a custom nice label pick up one set of each and take 25 percent off your order by either entering code naughty or nice at checkout we all know how much beer you have to get rid of so, why not make it look good? Go find them at grogtag.com and don't forget to sign up for their newsletter to learn about their upcoming Black Friday sale and the Gifting with Grogtag 12 day sale during Christmas. Grogtag. At least your beer will look good. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Ah,
1: nah, nah, nah. <laughs> uh, yes. This is some good mead. It is. It is absolutely delicious. I'm glad you're enjoying it, John.
2: I am. <laughs> I'm right, drinking so... the uh, Paramore right now. Mm. Very cool. There you go. Yep, and I've got a I've got a bottle of Kurt's apple pie sitting here too. So, mm-hmm.
1: damn, hey, hey, John comes prepared. <laughs> um, all right, so I, I'm curious, you know, kind of walk us through the first few batches. Of, you know, how are you bottling? How are you <laughs> producing? How are you selling? I mean, how did you? How did you grow from, I just sold three carvers. bottles to a lady or four bottles to a lady from the television station to, oh, now I'm sending it out to, you know, various states and countries. I think people are interested in that. It's like, okay, I think they get the concept of the licensing. They get the, the concept of, you know, uh, what kind of equipment. I mean, you know, should they – I'd also be curious, should they budget for, like, water filtration or – you know, uh, various things that they're going to need. And then, you know, again, you know, I've made the mead now. How do I, you know, get it out there? How do I start selling it?
3: I go door to door. What do I do? So keep in mind, I tell every single customer that comes through my door, I do not know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> Makes two of them, brother.
3: <laughs> I literally outgrew my garage within two months. So, you know, we went from a 400-square-foot space to 2,000-square-foot space. You were space. eating a lot at that time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I, I like donuts um, <laughs> and a lot of mead. So sales. You have to be your best salesperson. You have to understand how to what a customer is looking for, understand what their objections might be, and how to accommodate them and make them believe that you can sell this. Mm-hmm. Now, I got my hands wet selling at farmer's markets in new hampshire Mm. they're dry so you can't actually sell customers or taste them on your product and i was so good at it that my other winery friends in the industry in new hampshire would storm off and leave the farmer's market and ask the farmer's market manager if we could not show up every week that they they didn't need as much competition as as we were bringing in because they weren't selling their wine and i told the farmer's market i said how many ears of corn are being sold by different farmers at this farmers market? And she said three have ears of corn here. And I said, mm-hmm. if you can have three vendors selling ears of corn, right. I'm sure you can afford two wineries selling product. And mm-hmm. you know the fact that I'm selling mead and he's trying to sell a you know um, whatever Cabernet or whatever mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. I said it's not the same game. Mm-hmm. What makes me different is I believe in my product to the point where I can convince you Mm -hmm. to give
1: it a try. And I was having tremendous success at that. I just heard that at another farmer's market in like uh, somewhere around where we're at. They're like, yeah, you know, we don't want to have more than one brewery because, you know, it's like, so. So my argument to them was this is America. Yeah, well, you know, you have one more more than one corn vendor. I mean, really, <laughs> you're
3: know, like, how f- different is an ear of corn right. from another ear of corn? At least I had something made from honey versus something yeah, made you had from something grapes. Different, yeah. So, I understood how to sell, and I believed in my product. And when I opened our our new facility, you know, I put down the flooring myself. I put my life savings into the place. Hired. Um, contractors that do stuff, and I didn't know to ask for two or three different quotes from different people. So I got ripped off. I got ripped off big time. Mm. and But I opened the doors November 20th, 2010. And within 10 days, I was so busy, I hired my fiance at the time, Bernice. Um, we're now married. Um, to become my VP of sales and marketing. And she gets mad that I tell people that I hired her because she was my fiance, and I didn't hire her because of that. Why I hired her is because I believed in her. Mm-hmm. And I told her one simple thing. If you can't sell this, we're going to starve to death. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's really simple. I mean, I have every faith in the world. I mean, I'm a man that likes to eat. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she killed it. She nailed it mm-hmm. out of the park. She got us named New Hampshire Business Magazine's Top Four Hostess Gift Ideas of 2010. We had more women beaten down the path to our doorway than we knew what to do with. Hmm. And I'd never seen women shop before. I didn't know what the hell to expect. And they're lining these meads on the bar and saying, oh, this one's for Sally and this one's for Jennifer. And, and tease, oh, Susie's a tease. I'm getting her this one. Hmm. I'm looking at these ladies like they had two different heads.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And and what I learned about this experience is never rush a woman shopping. Mm-hmm. And if you can find a way to target women with your product, mm-hmm. get the hell out of the way. Because they're going to tell their friends. And gentlemen, this is one thing I never understood as a young man. Mm-hmm. You make a woman happy, she's going <laughs> to tell anybody she can talk to. They'll hunt down strangers. You make a guy happy, you're lucky to get him. fine. Because we don't want to share jack shit. We want to keep it all to ourselves.
1: <laughs> and That the, happens with all the guys they make happy. They really don't share that. They keep it pretty private, I think.
3: <laughs> so... Being a master at sales is is crucial to starting up a company,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and you you asked about how to get from you know a single state to multiple states. Mm-hmm. Well, our first state we got into was California, and that was back in um, May of 2011, and then from there we got into all of New England, so seven states, and then you know we took on some investment and we got into you know by year three, 21 states. Um, by year four, we're in 28 in this country, nationwide in Australia. Um, last year, um, I was invited by the Australian National Homebrewers Conference to come out and be a guest speaker. Uh, Vinny from Russian River was the other guest speaker, along with a gentleman, I can't remember his name, from Fuller's. And just to see my face on the same billboard as Vinny's in Australia was enough to make me want to cry. Yeah, I mean, Vinny, to me, is a god in the He's brewing world. He's so
1: much better looking than you, too. He's skinny. Right. That, would make, that would make me cry. <laughs>
3: He's yeah. got hair. I'm, I'm missing all the above. Um, but it was it was that my passion had gotten me this far. Mm-hmm. And passion, nothing can fake. You can't fake your passion mm-hmm. for your business. Mm-hmm. Um, you can fake pretty much everything else, but you, you can't make that one up. And from there, we're now fifth year in. This last July, we're in 36 states in this country. And since then, we've bought our first 60-barrel fermenter. Uh, we're now exporting to Japan and China. And the Japanese importer has asked us how many container trucks at a time they can buy. Hmm. So we're looking to buy our first 100-barrel fermenter. And um, it takes a shit ton of money to get from where I was to where I am. Don't have to grow that fast. hmm if you want to do this and do it right, stay small, stay local, dominate your local market. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be spread thin like butter all across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, own it and own it deep. And I had thought New Hampshire was probably you know tapped out at this point. We mm-hmm. kind of dominated it. And my son was looking to change up and he'd kind of graduated from college international business degree. And he said, Dad, I really hate my job. I really need to do something else. I'd love to work for you and show you really kind of what I could do. And
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know, I know he's my son. And I was like, Man, I believe in him because of that. But I said, look, I'll give you Southern New Hampshire and see what you can do. Mm-hmm. And his first two weeks on the job, he'd done what the previous team hadn't done in six months. Mm-hmm. He got us an account that took 12 cases on their first order. Mm-hmm. He sold tons of product. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. And every since then, every day, every week, there's more and more new accounts and more and more sales mm-hmm. to now where he's going to promote out of that position into becoming a territorial manager for us. And we're going to send him into places like Oregon and Washington mm-hmm. and other parts of the country where we know we can see tenfold more increase in sale of product. Because it's simply a matter of fact of you can't advertise about meat. It's mm-hmm. wasted money Right. To put print and advertising around mead because most people, like 99.9%, don't know what mead is. So advertising about something nobody's ever heard of right. won't help. But if you can let people try it,
1: mm-hmm. you'll win. I've got a question for you. How, what, what are you doing with your water? Nothing. You, nothing? you carbon filter it, anything? Uh, we do now carbon
3: filter, but for the first four years we haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, so the water that we use to mead with... Um, comes out of a reservoir. Um, It's pretty minimally treated. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't smell the chlorine or uh, chloramide that might be in it, Mm -hmm. so it's pretty light. Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed that when I was here in um, Fairfield last night, taking a glass of water out of the hotel sink, um, that I could. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. ideally, you don't want to be able to smell that. Um, If you can, you do want to probably find a a good water source um, or treat it somehow Mm -hmm. and filter it.
2: now, you say that's a reservoir. Is that, you know, is the ultimate water source surface water or is it uh, groundwater? Do you know?
4: Um,
3: for us, it's coming out of um damn good question, which I cannot answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's mostly runoff, uh, so surface water. Uh, there may be some, um, yeah, it's got to be surface water because we're having a bit of a drought in New England. Uh, nothing like you guys are having here, but. I'd say the water table's down about six feet. Hmm.
1: Now, uh, John, have you heard about this iDip product? Yeah. I if you're, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're, t- if you're, if you're interested in your water, your water quality, you're interested in, uh, you know, the parameters of your water, which I think are really important to test. At Heretic, we test uh, our water every week because with the drought, the water's changing is changing uh, pretty dramatically. But uh, they got this meter. You uh, you dip the strip. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you have this tester and you, you, you put it in there, I guess. And, uh, it, it, you don't need any math. It links to your smartphone th- via Bluetooth. And then it's got all these tests that it, that'll do. Um, there's like 34 different water tests and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, four of them come preloaded, but there's, there's more available. And then you only need like four mil of water and each test is, is done with these pre-treated strips. Uh, specific for each test, and uh, you know, count drops or anything. You, you you dip and you and you read. It does things like uh, total alkalinity, chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, uh, a bunch more. Uh, you can uh, check them out at uh, smartbrewkit.com. dot uh, com. You can enter code TBN fifteen to receive free shipping and a free bottle of reagent Sounds uh, like something with your orders. Uh, $70 value for the, using that code TBN15. So smartbrewkit.com. Uh you know it's the only uh, uh photometer on the on the market that harnesses uh you know the power of your smartphone. So, you know, that kind of helps mm-hmm. drop the price and uh you know gives you a pretty pretty dramatic uh, calculation there. So, uh, yeah, it's cool.
2: a color-based color test. It's a
1: yeah. Handy little device. Right. So, there you go. I I have not seen it. I have not tried it, but uh, it sounds pretty interesting. Uh, You know, an easy way to uh, get your your water testing done. Let's do this. Let's take our our last break. And when we come back, Michael, I want from you, in a nutshell, put in your nutshell your advice for people wanting to go pro in the mead and cider arenas. Got it.
0: You know, your your three points of wisdom. When we come back after this. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says, Making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers. Now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at BrewersPublications.com. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like brewer whether for yourself or as a gift when you subscribe or resubscribe from the brewing network homepage you directly support programs like this get a great magazine and support the brewing network subscribe to brew your own right from the brewing network.com say hello to my little friend you've heard about white labs pure pitch yeast Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Labs Pure Pitch yeast for home brewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Labs yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit WhiteLabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch. FlexCell technology and how it's created. Then, visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of pure pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com to brew has never been so disgusting this is Brew Strong
1: alright we're back we're enjoying uh, Michael Fairbrother from uh, Moonlight Meadery is talking with us about uh, going pro in the mead world we've talked about that uh, uh, ad nauseum about the the beer world but uh, not, not in the mead world Michael, let me let me ask you a question. Are you getting enough? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I bet you'd love more, right? Oh, I always want to make a lady happier. There you go. Well, Adam and Eve wants to give you more. That's what I'm talking about. And as a matter of fact, Adam and Eve is going to give you 10 free gifts. Ten. All you got to do is use the offer code JAMIL, J-A-M-I-L. At AdamandEve.com, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get six free adult DVDs. Six! Count them, six! Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six adult DVDs. Damn. All sorts of interesting categories. You're going to get a free gift for her. You're going to get a free gift for him. And you're going to get a free gift for both of you. Damn. That's nine free things right there. What do you think the tenth one is? Free shipping. Yeah, wow! You know shipping, Come on, free shipping? Yeah, you know shipping ends up costing a ton. Oh, I don't even things. give out free shipping. I mean, you get, like, yourself a big box of dildos, shipping costs you a fortune. You know, that's heavy. You know, you get the, the high-density ones. Jesus, that, that is a lot of material, a lot of weight to it. And that's, you know, the UPS guy straining with that big box. Yeah, you know I the a, box is like eighteen inches long. It's like
3: you know, it's very heavy. I won a uh, Scrabble game one time with the the word that I used was tildo, and <laughs> it. it was all seven characters, and it just
1: came right in. Just so use the offer code Jamel J A M I L at Eve dot com, and you pick up one, uh, you know uh, an item and, and and get your free DVDs, get your uh, uh, your free shipping, get your uh, your free gifts for. For her, for him, and for both of you. Uh, and enjoy. All right. So, Michael, your three words three of wisdom. <laughs> your, three, your three choices <laughs> of your DVDs. No. Your, your, your three words of wisdom for somebody looking to open a meadery.
3: So, meadery or cidery, um, make good product. Make it consistently great. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, believe in yourself. With those three things, you can accomplish everything you want to accomplish. And, you know, for us, when we broke into our cider category last year, I'm like, what the heck are going to make a cider? And I was going through the old BJCP style guidelines. and I saw nobody was making a New England style cider. And I said, what the hell? I can make one. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, all right, got to come up with a name. I'm like, we're a meadery, for God's sakes, so why are we making cider? And I I thought of names and I'm like, how do you like them apples? Because I said, look, we're a meadery making cider. How do you like them apples? Sounds great. 13.5% alcohol. So I sent it into to Zymergy to have it reviewed. And it came back with excellent to outstanding ratings from the, their blind judging. And I said, you know, that is awesome. We now have this cider that, you know, we had three bars wipe us out of everything we made. So we had 300-gallon batch, three bars wiped us out. We've increased production by, we're now over 3,000% from last year. Mm. So that's 9,000 gallons of cider this year alone.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Wow. (laughs) It's selling so goddamn fast. It is just insane. Like my distributor here in Northern California is currently sold out of it, but we'll get them some more. And um, we also created a smaller cider called, how do you like them? Little apples. So a a 6.5%er. So understand market, understand demographics and pricing, and being able to, to do that. And don't be afraid of taking risks. Mm-hmm. If you can put your entire life on the line, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, the only thing that was holding me back from making this career change in the past was my fear of failure and fear of not even wanting to try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Having done it, shit, I should have done it 10 years ago.
1: <laughs> yep there you go good advice thank you uh, Michael for being uh, here on the show with us today uh, Excellent. Taking the time thank to you
3: Bruce strong Mead stronger
1: if you're if you're uh, if you're listening live stay tuned we got another episode coming up with uh, Michael Fairbrother from moonlight meter if you enjoy the show make sure you check out all our sponsors make sure you go to blickmanengineeringcom Look at their great stuff. Send them an email, feedback at blickmanengineering.com. Tell them how much you enjoy the show and that they pay for it so you don't have to. Check out the Brewing Network store, store. There's hoodies, there's hats, there's there's growlers, there's glassware. There's so many good things in there that when you buy that stuff, you get yourself a great gift. And all the profits go to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and keep shows like this on the air. So uh, uh, don't hesitate. Do it now. Until then everybody, Bruce Strong. Brew strong stronger.